Welcome one and all to episode 158 of the original Draft Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Cox. With me tonight, my co-host, Justin Higdon. And Justin, it is that time of year. I mean, it's July, but it's that time of year where we start breaking down the Power 2 conferences, Power 3. What is it now? I don't even know. Well, we're getting into mega conference territory, but we're just not quite there yet. So we're still going to... Uh, over the next several weeks, we're going to break down, um, we're going to preview the top five, the power five conferences, and then we'll also get an episode in where we do the group of five and uh, independence. So um, I think we're about eight weeks away. So we, we've we kind of been hit, hit or miss with uh, shows on iTunes, Spotify, etc. And um but from here on out, we're going to be pretty consistent with putting shows out on iTunes and on Patreon uh, each week as we approach the uh, 2022 college football season. And I even had a preview put up on Patreon this weekend of the Alabama Crimson Tide. I've got Ohio State locked and loaded. I'm basically doing those as watch lists for the sake of time so I can get as many teams out as I can. But you can check those out on Patreon on the generational tier. If you don't want to do the generational tier, you can check out the uh, elite tier. And that's where we're going to have the bonus episodes each week. So basically what we're doing, just as we did last summer, we were going to preview the conference on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and all that good stuff. And then on uh, later in the week on Patreon, we're going to give you some sleepers, NFL draft eligible prospects from each conference that you should know going into this year so we're full throttle full steam ahead it's post fourth of july we got training camp coming up football is right around the corner yeah and that kicks us off with the best conference in football every year the big 10 i said the best not not the one that gets one one team in and then loses You said the uh, best, not my favorite. Okay, so Big yeah. Ten will be probably next week. Well, to be fair, that is the second best. So, uh, yeah. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, the SEC. And we, we're going to start opposite of how we normally start because we got a different, uh, different defending champion out of the SEC. This one from the SEC East, um, and that's Georgia. And Georgia, you know, defending champs. Uh, they're going to have uh, the guy that is the quarterback that is not really an NFL prospect still there. Stetson Bennett. Um, and, he's back. You know, he's the, um, I'm trying to think of the last guy like him, like Jake Coker maybe, or who was before Coker even? Um, At Bama? Uh, like, uh, no, I mean, he's he's kind of more like, a, oh man, you have to go back to... Uh, He's almost like I was a, gonna say like, like Greg McElroy, like but even McElroy was like a third round pick. I mean, this is kind maybe, of maybe maybe like a Jason White. <laughs> yeah, maybe but, something like that. But but White kind of uncharted was territory a, for the new era, right? And White was a Heisman winner at least. Like he didn't deserve it, but he put up insane numbers at Oklahoma. No offense, Rob, but um, <laughs> uh, you know, and so Bennett they, is is like twenty five years old too. Yeah, and so he's going to milk this for as long as he can because this dude will never pay for dinner in Georgia in his life. Um, He's probably going to open up a car dealership or a quarterback coaching 
uh, clinic, things like that. Or he's uh, going to be like a, a broadcaster. I mean, yeah, a lot of those SEC guys are broadcasters now. Do do, do the post game show, you know, all that stuff. But uh, you know, they got to replace Z- uh, Zadarius White and James Cook. Zamir uh, White. Zamir White. Excuse me. Zamir White and uh, James Cook, and they have two, four, five star guys in Kendall Milton and Kenny McIntosh ready to step in. Offensively, they they lack the oomph that that we saw at times last year, but I think that's just because there's so many um, unknowns, right? I think they're. I mean, I think they're kind of going to pick up where they left off. They're going to be run heavy. Um, you saw their receiver, like uh, Jermaine Burton, he transferred to Alabama because he wasn't being showcased. Uh, George Pickens went pro. You know, still have uh, Kyrus Jackson there. Uh, will Eric Gilbert finally be a factor? That's a question coming into the year. But uh, Milton and McIntosh, I think, should step in where Zamir White and, and James Cook left off. Kenny McIntosh, interestingly enough, I think he was in, and we're going to talk a lot more about this later uh, when we get to the hot takes, but he was in the NFS uh, scouting top 25, which Albert Breer published in SI last week or a week or two ago. Uh, so Kenny McIntosh, that was a little bit of a surprise to me. He's He's considered a uh, first or early second round pick for the NFL, according to NFS scouting grades. And that's one of the two scouting services the NFL uses that and Blesto, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, this, uh, this is going to be another Georgia team that is heavy on the defense. They gave up like 10 yards or I'm sorry, 10 points a game last year. That was their bread and butter defense won them a championship and they bring in uh, Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith, and cornerback Keeley Ringo. Those guys are all projected as top 25s in the NFS ranking. And Ringo, I think, and uh, Jalen Carter are widely projected as top 10 picks. And in fact, NFS had Jalen Carter as number one over Will Anderson of Bama. Yeah, it it'll be interesting to kind of follow along with if they can repeat the success of last year. Um, because that's one of the things you got to remember too, is like, not just do they have three guys that are projected top 25 picks this year, but last year they had, uh, three guys taken in the top 75. Cause I think where was, um, Nicobe Dean ended up going like third round, right? Yeah, ended up going and, third round. Yeah, so, or sorry, they had four guys in the top 75, sorry. So, you know, they had the number one overall pick. They had uh, Jordan Davis, who was a top 15 guy. They had fellow first rounder, um, the other defensive lineman whose name is escaping me right now. And so then you add in that Jalen Carter, Nolan Smith, and Keely Ringo are projected first round picks. So you're talking about six starters that were that are going to likely be first round picks on one defense and, and Carter and Ringo were not draft eligible uh Smith was he chose to came to come back but he's a former five-star recruit but yeah uh to your point you had just an you know an all-star cast um I don't 
I think it's weird to say that even though you lose all those players that uh, when you're talking about Devontae Wyatt, um, Jordan Davis, yeah, and and, uh, the two linebackers, Quay Walker and N'Kobe Dean, actually the three linebackers uh, get drafted in the the top five rounds. This is uh, an outstanding defense, but I think this is a situation where Kirby Smart's got them in a position where they're just reloading on that side of the ball. The offense has not come around yet. So we'll see how that goes. But I I do think they're going to ride with, with Stetson Bennett again. It'll be interesting to see if they have a hiccup along the way, if they start if we start to hear rumblings of them uh wanting to switch to Brock Bandegrift, who is a redshirt freshman hotshot recruit that they have coming in a couple of years ago. But right now, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. From there we go, well, the SEC East is just not great right now. But um And after, these are I, I should mention these are in order of Athlon's projections. Right. We always uh, use as we Athlon. did last year. So this is this yeah. is not our opinion of where they'll finish, but it's also not too far off of probably how we would rank these guys. Yeah, we probably wouldn't argue too much about this. Um Tennessee is next. Hendon Hooker, he's been a good player, man. Um, he's a fun quarterback to watch. He's going to be tur- turning 25 in January. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what that means for his draftability. Um, he's a big dude. He threw, what, 31 touchdowns, three picks last year. Super athletic. Ability. Yeah. It just, like, he seems like a day three guy all the way heading into this year. And unless he just has... Um, an insane type of season. It just feels like he's a day, like a day three lock with his age and with the fact that it's kind of, you know, to use a fantasy scouting term, a late breakout type of guy. Yeah. He came uh, to Tennessee via Virginia tech. He transferred uh, heading into last season. He beat out Joe Milton, who was the transfer from Michigan and hooker really was clearly the better option of the two. Uh, I think they finished seven and six in Josh Heupel's first year there at Tennessee. So people are projecting big things out of, out of uh, the volunteers. It seems kind of like deja vu. Cause that seems like the, the Vols being back is almost like the light version of Texas being back over recent years. But uh, I actually like the way this team's put together and Hendon hooker, is going to be a good college quarterback. I think you're right, Seth. He's he's not going to be any higher than day three because of his age. It's going to be really tough to convince uh, people to uh, NFL teams to take a risk on somebody who's over 24 heading into the draft. But stranger things have happened. Brandon Whedon was a first round pick, and he he turned 29 uh, early in his rookie year. Cedric Tillman, six three two fifteen, wide receiver. Senior, he is coming off a huge breakout season. He's probably Tennessee's headliner as far as uh, NFL draft prospects are. What concerned. what is um I was gonna say what is his con- what is the wide receiver concern with that? Because he's going to be a super junior here. So he he enrolled at Tennessee in 2018. So he's a fifth year junior um, this year. Again, fourth year late breakout guy, but 
He's not also, overly old. I mean, he's he just turned 22 in April. Um, 64 also, catches, 1,081 yards, 12 touchdowns last year. At, at Again, at 6'3", 215, it runs an estimated 4.52. Uh, I don't think there's a lot of concerns about him other than the late breakout. You know, that's more of a fantasy thing more than a uh, – and remember, Hypel's first year was last year, and and – Cedric Tillman took off under Hypel, and that's the coach this year. So well, well, and my thing is this too. So I, I don't like to penalize guys that are in bad programs or in bad situations with quarterbacks, like like a Tennessee. So like Tillman is for his lack of early production. Does that make sense? Like I think it's one of those situations where you really got to go back and. If whatever you can get on him, and we're talking about a guy who had freaking uh, eight catches coming into last year over three full years. He only saw time in uh, six games. So, like, it's not like he was even getting a chance, so to speak, right? Like, Yeah, he had the benefit so, of coming into college very young. Like, like he had just turned 18 uh, before he graduated high school, so... That's where you you get this uh, situation. I mean, what, where I see him listed, I see him listed as a senior. So we that's one of the tricky things with, that you and I have talked about over the last two years with COVID and the extra year of eligibility. And I'm I'm trying to do a, the Ohio State preview, and they've got uh, sophomores listed as third year and juniors listed as fourth year. They're not even t- listing sophomore junior anymore in some cases so it gets really tricky to try and figure out but um i think this is going to be tillman's final year in college next is going to be the really interesting case to follow and that's kentucky um they've got a guy that's gotten the uh as as justin likes to call it the tastemaker bump he's he's been blessed by big draft as we like to say heading into this year in, in Will Levis. Um, Levis is another interesting case, man, of, of a guy that had to find the right situation, um, couldn't beat out the Penn State Sean quarterback, Clifford. who's one of the worst quarterbacks I've seen. Um Goes to Kentucky. Uh, you know, he had a decent year at Kentucky. Um, I like the growth in the completion percentage from 60% to 66%. Um, you know, the touchdown to interception ratio is an interesting thing at, at 24 last year. Touchdowns to 13 interceptions. It just feels like he's getting that early blessing um, from Big Draft. He's also a, a weirdo on Twitter, which I think a lot of a lot of people uh, enjoy <laughs> as well. I do think that gives points to him. I mean, I I not to me or not to you, but I do think people like that stuff. Yeah, and so you look at it. Oh, it's a yeah, man. Seth, it's, it's the twenty twenty two version of like firm handshake. And lunch right. pail guy, right? It's like eat a banana with a peel on it and drinks mayonnaise coffee on Twitter. Like, how do we get here? So they're gonna be interesting. 
Um, Daniel Jeremiah hyped him the other day uh, on that NFS list. He's he's listed ahead of CJ Stroud. <laughs> um, there, it's like fifth. I think Levis is like fifteen and Stroud is sixteen. Yeah, but I they're mean, basically it's, saying it's even right. money. That's. Yeah, it's insanity. Um, there's not much more to say about well, Kentucky. Well, we, we got to mention Levis is going to be 24 next June because we talked so much about that with Kenny Pickett. Um, we've got to mention that with Levis. He, he is going to be 24 in June of 2023. So um, normally it's a knock. You, we saw Pickett had a uh, Heisman, what, a Heisman runner-up season, and he still didn't go until the 20s. So, I don't know. I, I'm not buying the Levis type. Next on the list is Florida. We talked quite a bit about Anthony Richardson the other mm-hmm. day. Um, you know, is he going to be able to hold off uh, Jack, Jack Miller Miller from, from Ohio State via, or I guess He's Chaparral, from- via Ohio State to Florida now? Um, yeah. Richardson's gotten a lot of hype. It just the seems draft like... mix, including uh, Mel Kuyper, we we talked about him uh, where Mel Kuyper had him in the, what in the top five, right? And so like it just feels like they're higher on him than the the NFL is at this point Be- because NFS did not have Anthony Richardson in the top twenty five at all. He From was there, nowhere to be found in that. From there, they have some former five stars in in wide receiver Justin Shorter and defensive end Brenton Cox. Florida is notorious for over the last, what would you say, about, I mean, maybe 10 years of not developing their high-end recruits, right? Well, to be fair, both of these guys transferred because Cox was from, uh, transferred in from Georgia and Shorter transferred in from Penn State. But both guys have been there a couple of years already, and we're still waiting to see the breakouts. So maybe, you know, Cox actually had a pretty good year statistically last year for a pretty um, mid-team. Shorter actually gets a chance this year to be the guy uh, under the new coach, Billy Napier, um, now that uh, Jacob Copeland has transferred to Maryland. He was kind of the guy at receiver. As far as you know, leading the team in catches and yards, just ahead of shorter, so we could see something. I mean, will these guys finally break through? It's going to be really interesting to see what Napier does with this whole roster because most of it is inherited at this point. So right. We, we won't get to see how he shapes it for a couple of years, um, and that's why which it's kind of it, weird is, to me that Richardson's yeah. so hyped by draft next. That's what I was going to say. That's what's so weird to me about this whole situation is that it's not... Like, isn't Miller more Napier's recruit than Richardson? At this point, you would you would think so, but, you know, yeah. whatever. Um, South Carolina, the Spencer Rattler revival. Um, can he be revived? It, man, <laughs> I, I, I don't remember a prospect in recent memory... That was the not just the favorite to go number one overall, but the Heisman favorite heading into the season. Like the Heisman betting favorite to go going into the season 
to the point now where, again, we talked about it the other day, he's a at, at best a day three guy coming out this year. Um, and that's if that's if he plays well. Um, you know what's funny is Daniel Kelly, who we've talked about on this show a number of times going back to last year, um, oftentimes in the hot takes section. And he, I think he's writing for SI, the Jets site now. He used to be Draft Diamonds. Not to be confused with Danny Kelly of the Ringer, but Daniel Kelly, who is a who constantly will remind us that he's a former NFL scout. He was high on, uh, he, he was notoriously low on Trevor Lawrence. Um, he's notoriously low on Trey Lance. He, he makes some kind of like pseudo raps about that. He liked uh, Justin Fields, but he really likes Spencer Rattler. So that's something, you know, just to keep in the memory banks. Uh, but he just uh, tweeted about Spencer Rattler today. He still thinks Rattler is a first round caliber prospect. Their best defensive player right now heading into the season's Cam Smith, the the cornerback, uh, and by best defensive prospect, we should say sorry. Um, you know we're not we're not digging into guys that aren't draft eligible. Sorry, that's just not happening. Uh, uh, I thought he was draft eligible. No, that's what I'm saying is that he's their best draft eligible guy oh, to okay. talk about right, because right. we're not we're not gonna it, they might have a freshman or a sophomore but we're not talking about those guys but yeah. cam smith is their best draft eligible defensive prospect he didn't make nfs his top 25 but he has been a fixture in a lot of early mocks right and i mean that's the thing is we have seen a lot of sec non-elite program defensive players go high and and um, the reason you see that is because these guys do play against pros. And like, you know, we, we talk about this all the time. Even in the SEC, a lot of these guys you're going against. I mean, we joked about it to open the show with Stetson Bennett. A lot of these guys that they're going against are going to be, you know, doing pregame, postgame shows or, or opening up insurance companies and, and stuff like this, like after their playing days are over. <laughs> but when you play teams like Bama and Georgia and you play teams like Ohio state, um, you know, you look at, you're able to look at guys like Cam Smith, Cam Smith listed six, one, one ninety, good size corner back defensive back, obviously, um, you know, last year he had, uh, 14, hands on balls uh and, and actually he had 15 if you include the forced fumble that he had so he had three interceptions 11 passes defense and a forced fumble that's you said a, hands on balls right that's uh <laughs> that's a, that's a big thing that we look for <laughs> i'm doing this. a beavis and butthead here <laughs> um you know we're that's a big thing for us when we do look at guys is how productive are they on the ball yeah and and Cam Smith checks that box to make you go back and look, hey, what is he going to do? Um, so, you know, it, it's tough, man. South Carolina is in an odd spot, and they just really haven't haven't bounced back since. So they're you know, in year two of a new uh, head coach, right? Shane Beamer. Shane, Shane Beamer, yeah. But they really yeah. haven't bounced back from the Will Muschamp fiasco. Um, 
you know, they hired so after Spurrier left in fifteen, they hired Muschamp. They gave Muschamp, I believe, five years. Um, you know, and and that was the thing. They were going to bowl games, but they were going to like the Birmingham Bowl and and stuff. They like haven't that. really been. Um, you know, you got to go back to Lou Holtz, right? right. To where and they're so, really. And so exciting. it's just it's just one of those situations now where you just you look at it. Um, and you know, they're just, they're struggling to churn out NFL caliber players consistently. And we shouldn't say that they're struggling to churn out top 75 NFL caliber right. players. And, and, and I mean, so, it was just a couple of years ago, they had a corner and JC Horn go and go early. Yep. Top 10. And, and uh, that, and, and that's kind of what I'm talking about is guys like Horn can, you know, they get an opportunity to show their ability against against guys like Cedric Tillman, against guys, you know, like the Bama receivers or even the Texas A&M and Arkansas receivers, right? And that, yep. that is, that's huge for their pro prospects. Uh, from there, Mizzou. I, I want to say one more thing about Rattler, too. He's going to have some comfort with, uh, what is it, Jaheim, is it Jaheim Bell? Is that right? Jaheim yeah. Bell and uh, Austin Stogner who also transferred from Oklahoma. He's got two safety net tight ends. And I think there is still talent there with Rattler. I think that the pressure of being the next guy at Oklahoma after Mayfield, after Kyler Murray, it kind of got to him. And then he had Caleb uh, Thompson breathing down his throat. Uh, So that's tough. That's a tough situation. It seems like Rattler has a clear runway to try and rebound. And And by my... If I'm correct me if I'm wrong, he's gonna have. Will he have another year left after this? If he does, if he decides to uh, stick around, I I assume so, just based on probably because of the COVID rules. Right? I was gonna say they're just letting guys play until they're forty at this point. So um, go ahead with the next team. Yeah. So next is another bad SEC team, Mizzou. <laughs> um, they've got a couple guys that you know we should at least know about. Um, you know the first one. Uh, being Javon Foster, um, six we five. We talked the line today. That qualifies yes. us as talking the line. Six five, three hundred pound, three ten uh, yeah. pound lineman. They've got a interesting defensive back, Chris Abrams Drain, um, listed at five eleven, which is dubious when you look at his weight being less than one eighty. That's a very lean player. He's draft eligible as a junior. I don't know what he really is because I can't figure <laughs> any of this out. He's like a, a six-year junior. Who knows? Right, right. Uh, no, he's a true junior. Oh, no, he's – Okay. Yeah, he is a true junior. Okay. Um, Good. You know, so 10, uh, three interceptions, seven <clears throat> passes defensed last year. You know, swapped over from wide receiver his freshman year because – that's what happens in these programs, man. Um, so we'll see. Uh, he's he's an interesting guy to watch. Uh, again, Mizzou just doesn't have a whole lot. And then uh, speaking of not having a whole lot, you finish out with Vander Vanderbilt. Um, I left them blank on the show sheet. Yeah, there's not much to talk about there. I'm double. I should I'm say. Uh, Ramon Davis, running back, transfer from Temple. That's a player that uh, some draftniks have liked in the past. So that's one uh, one noteworthy player that I came up with. 
From there, we head to the west, which is much more stacked. So we can go through this the opposite way this time. We probably should have done this with the east, too. Uh, Auburn has a couple. They're number seven. Start from the bottom. (laughs) Yeah. So Auburn's number seven. Uh, They have a couple interesting guys. Tank Bigsby, the running back on offense. Uh, He almost transferred, but he, he decided to stay. Defensive lineman Colby Wooden on defense and a couple guys we'll talk about later yeah colby uh colby was on the uh, nfs list too he was uh one of the players that was in that top 25 and i want to make sure that uh yeah he's he's an interior defensive lineman 6'3 280 but he has like pass rusher upside in terms of athleticism because reportedly runs about four seven five. The problem is length. He's got short arms. She's probably going to be that interior guy. Tank Bigsby, very high recruit, five star. I believe he was five star, but uh only four point nine yards per carry. Again, flirted with the transfer portal, ultimately decided uh I I guess I, I should correct myself. Four star. Uh but again high recruit Flirted with the transfer portal, decided to stick around. Those are your two guys. They've got a quarterback controversy or competition, I guess, not controversy yet. TJ Finley coming over from LSU and Zach Calzada coming over from Texas A&M. Finley probably has the edge because he's been at Auburn for a year already. From there, we go to Mike Leach in Mississippi State. Uh, They've got Will Rogers, who's one of the most prolific returning quarterbacks in all of college football, threw for over 4,700 yards, 36 touchdowns, nine interceptions, but he's an air raid quarterback, so he's not going to get a ton of love. Um, He's not real big either. Yeah, 6'2", 205 pounds. I like him, actually, but he's just kind of small. You know, and it's always – it is always tough with – with – those air raid guys to to find you know somebody that likes them um he's kind of like uh sam howish mayfieldish athletically you know um he's a little taller than those guys but i mean he's got the same similar dimension similar athleticism you know he's gonna run like in the four eights yeah, I don't want to uh, step on your toes. Are you talking about any defensive players from Mississippi State in our in our show later on today? I am not. Nope. Okay, so they've got a cornerback that we should just probably mention, Emmanuel Forbes. He's a true junior heading into his true junior year. Um, as a freshman, he had five receptions and six passes defensed, which is – and he returned three of those for touchdowns, um, which is – Kind of incredible, right? Last yeah. year dropped off a little bit. Last year was Leach's first year there, right? Or was has he been? There I think it was second year. Second year. Okay, so so he and he and Kiffin came in the same year, okay, in twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah. So second, so he did all of that in ten games his freshman year. Last year a little worse, but not unexpected to see a slight drop if teams probably aren't going to throw at you as much. Um, Finished with three interceptions, four pass defense, and one forced fumble in 13 games. So slightly under the metrics we look for 
But again, a guy just to know, listed at six feet, 180 pounds, again, talked about uh, Cam Smith, same type of idea. Like this is a guy that is going to get a chance to play against first round talent consistently. So that's not bad too. Cause the eyes are on that defensive backfield too, because Martin Emerson was a third round pick out of that same defensive backfield. Cleveland took Emerson in a third round. He, he was a taller, longer guy and um, probably better prospect at that stage. But Forbes is a good call to mention. Um, anybody who's, you know, sub, reportedly under sub five, uh, sub four, five um, at that height, six feet for a corner worth mentioning. From there, we had up the street, down the street, not really sure which direction, but to Ole Miss. <laughs> We're not good um, on uh, geography. Yeah, I don't know where in Mississippi these colleges are. I'm not going to lie. Um, We've talked about this guy ad nauseum. There's not much more to say, but Zach Evans has legitimate star potential. Um, They also have a really big wide receiver in Jonathan Mingo that looks like a chance to be the go-to guy. Who's the quarterback there? I know they just got a transfer, right? Well, you've got Jackson Dart transferring from USC. You've got Luke Altmaier, who played last year when Corral went down. And then uh, those are those are your two main guys. You know, they have another uh, junior there who is pretty decidedly the third third string guy. So it's between Altmaier and Dart. Uh, I don't know. Kiffin probably is going to favor his guy who's been there in Altmaier. But Dart, uh, he's a bigger guy, 6'3", 220. And obviously Kiffin also recruited him. To come when when uh, Dart saw the opportunity to transfer, obviously Lincoln Riley went there to USC, brought his own guy. Uh, Dart had gotten some starts, and I think he got injured, and that, that's why they end up going back to Slovis. But yeah, here comes Jackson, Jackson Dart. These guys, neither one of them are draft eligible, so we don't want to dwell on them too much. But uh, this is going to be. This is why I love Zach Evans so much because this is still going to be a prolific offense. And, you know, if you go back a couple of weeks, we talked about the quarterback competitions on this show. And on our Patreon show, we talked about other positional competitions throughout college football. And the running back situation with Ole Miss was one that we, we highlighted. Zach Evans and Ulysses Bennett or Bentley. And uh, I love Zach Evans. I think he's going to be a star. In this offense, Bentley's going to spell him. Ingo, I don't know what he's going to do. Um, we saw uh, Dontario Drummond last year become the go-to guy in this offense as a 24-year-old senior. So it's not beyond the scope that that uh, Mingo's going to finally break through here. Uh, we'll see who else emerges. But the, that's he should be the guy. From there, we head to LSU, who has one of the top prospects in all of the draft in Kayshawn Boutte. Um, he returns from injury. I mean, there's a legitimate chance he could be wide receiver one, even with Jaden Daniels throwing to him. Interestingly enough, in the NFS top 25, which I'm, I keep teasing because we're going to talk about that in the uh, hot takes, there was only one receiver in the top 25, and it was not Kayshawn Boutte. 
it was uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba from Ohio State, of course. So, uh, and I joke because obviously I'm I'm an Ohio State guy, but I found that really interesting. No Boutte, no Jordan Addison. These are guys that draft Knicks are popping into that uh, into their first round mocks routinely, and uh, I just found it interesting. Uh, no Keishon Boutte. He he's coming back from it from an injury. Um, I think the pass rushers, BJ Ojolari, who is the brother of Aziz Ojolari, who who came out a couple of years ago from Georgia, and then Ali Gay. Those two are uh, creating some intrigue in the draft community. But outside of that, I think LSU is still kind of recovering from the hangover from their 2019 championship. Did you? Are you uh, mentioning any LSU defensive players? In your list, I do actually have an LSU defensive player to talk about on okay. Patreon this week. All right, I'll leave it alone then. Next is Arkansas, KJ yeah. Jefferson, um, returning quarterback. He had a great, uh, I grade's probably a strong word. He had a very good year last year. Um, I agree. Is he being overlooked as a quarterback prospect? <laughs> totally. He's totally being overlooked. I don't get why AJ Jefferson isn't getting some of the hype that somebody like Will Levis is getting. AJ Jefferson in the same conference as Will Levis. AJ, or I'm sorry, KJ Jefferson. Um, also a younger guy, a guy who's you know about the same size, if not bigger, guy with probably equal, if not better, athleticism as a runner. He's just not getting that that kind of love, and I'm not sure why. I'm not really sure. Um, maybe people thought that Traylon Burks made the quarterback, but I kind of think that K.J. Jefferson deserves a lot more credit for what Arkansas was able to do. And it's going to be very interesting to see what he does this year because uh, Traylon Burks was the clear-cut target hog on that offense. And he got, if you look at market share, dominator rating, or all these other things that fantasy guys look at, uh, Traylon Burks was the guy. And that's why they liked him so much. So let's see what KJ does with Jaden Hazelwood coming over from, <clears throat> transferring over uh, to Arkansas from Oklahoma. Now, Hazelwood was a big time recruit as well. Is he able to come in and step in and be the replacement? for Traylon Burks, that's what we're going to see. Or is KJ going to be able to spread the ball a little bit more? But you can see he's dangerous with his arm and with his feet, and I think he's being way overlooked right now. Do you have any defensive players from Arkansas you're going to talk about later? I don't. So Uh, I know the guy you want to talk about, but go ahead and shoot. Oh, no, not that one. Uh, uh, Jalen Catalan is a safety that's getting some press um, as a potential uh, day two type of guy. Again, fits into what we've talked about with these these SEC guys. Yeah, not a great um, defense. And so if he shows up as as a talented safety, Little undersized, listed at 5'10", 200 pounds. We'll see how how he works out. But people really liked Catalan coming into last year, and they kind of soured on him. 
after last season. So maybe he has a rebound. From there, we head into the top two and the the big guys, and that's uh, Texas. The blood A&M. feud, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> that starts with Texas A and M. Um, Texas A and M is loaded with talent all over. Um, you know, I, I except at quarterback, right? I, I mean, the Haynes. It's King, just uncertain at quarterback. I think you got talent there, but you just don't know which guy's going to take the reins. Yeah, and the Haynes Keen kid you've been waiting for. Um, and so they've got some defensive guys. Um, I assume you're probably not going to talk about Johnson, their safety, right? Because he's pretty highly thought of. Right. We He, he was one of the guys we mentioned uh, on Patreon in our top fives. Um, Definitely, I think he's key for the defense, Antonio Johnson. He, he was really like the, uh, the headliner name for them on defense heading into the, as far as like 2023 draft prospects are concerned. I'm really interested to see what people think of Devin. Um, is, do we pronounce A-chain. it? A-chain? Okay. Yeah. I'm really interested because he's very much a – gadget guy um obviously yeah, you a kind little... of have two of them here a chain and anita smith right um, right and and he's a little bit bigger than um the the kid that's Tariq cohen that's carved out a really nice career you know right. he's not he's not quite darren sproles but i i am interested you know they list him at five eight at five eight he's listed at 185 pounds that's actually a very solid build if he is five eight um but just kind of how he would he would fit and what the NFL is going to think of him because he just seems destined for day three or maybe, you know, in that 100 to 110 range in those uh, comp pick areas. Well, it just depends what you think, how you think you can use him and how is A&M going to use A-Chain and Nia Smith this year. We saw Nia Smith um, early in his college career. He was used more of a running back and then, it became more as a receiver. And with A-Chain, he was kind of uh, used a lot at running back last year behind Isaiah Spiller. Are they going to move him to receiver? Are they going to get him the ball in space more? We saw that helped Wandale Robinson, where he was running back early in his career at, at Nebraska. And then he caught 100 passes at Kentucky last year. It ends up being a day two pick. So A&M, Jimbo Fisher, they maybe should take note of that. A-Chain has legit track speed. He's like Olympic caliber track speed. Low 10 seconds in the 100 meters, right? Uh, they're estimating, I've, I've seen sites estimate him at 4.4. I think he's going to run sub 4.4, maybe sub 4.3. So what are they going to do with him? I, I think 185 is light for a running back in this era. But you, you're going to find ways to use a guy like that. And I think if, if A-Chain runs as fast as I think he will, which is low 4-3, maybe even sub 4-3, he's going to be a day two pick. And they're going to try and figure it out later. Ania Smith, I think he's going to be a later pick. And that's probably why he didn't come out early this past year. But I like both players, and I think they give uh, A&M a ton of versatility. They're very interesting. This is a team 
that uh, has, you know, Nick Saban will tell you they paid for a lot of five-star guys. But the bottom line is they have a lot of four- and five-star guys on that roster, and they need to make it click. And I'm not sure this is the year because Bama and Georgia are still too strong. Well, and I think if you're going to make it click, you got to you got to know what you have at quarterback and they just don't. Uh finally Bama, just go look at their roster and then you have a lot of uh college or sorry, a lot of top NFL prospects. No, we'll go over some of them. Obviously, uh Bryce Young, transfer Jameer Gibbs, transfer Jermaine Burton, transfer Tyler Harrell. Um on offense, you know, they're they're all gonna have a chance to really stand out and be great. I love how Bama has become like the free agent destination. <laughs> yeah, Gibbs, Burton, Harrell, these guys should all have big years because you lose Brian Robinson, John Mechie, and Jameson Williams, who was himself a transfer. So these guys are all poised to have big years in their first years and maybe only year with the program. And then on defense, you have potentially uh, the number one pick in the draft of Will Anderson, and then uh, a, another transfer and a top, probably 25 guy in Eli Rick. Yeah, Eli Ricks was actually snubbed by the NFS top 25, but Jameer Gibbs was in the top 25. Uh, actually, I think he was in the top 10 of that. And uh, Bryce Young was the number one quarterback, and I think the number five overall player in that NFS top 25. Um, Henry 2020, uh, the linebacker, is also worth mentioning. There's a, a few other guys worth mentioning too, so check out our Patreon for that because, I again, I put that watch list up over, the week, over this past weekend that's posted on the generational tier. You'll get all the probably top 25-ish teams, maybe a, a handful of others. Uh, before we get into the season in about, like I said, seven, eight weeks from now. We got a hot take we got to take about, talk about. Yeah, so let's get to the hot take. We've been alluding to the uh, NFS Top 25, and Albert Breer, again, he published this in his weekly column on Sports Illustrated on SI.com. And... For some reason, okay, so that caught the attention of of the Draft Network. And uh, our our friends over at the Draft Network, uh, Joe Marino and a substitute host, a guy who was subbing that day. I apologize for not uh, remembering the the kid's name, but he was subbing for Kyle Krabs that day on Draft Dudes, their podcast. They decided, hey, this was published. We're going to talk about the NFS Top 25. That's the reason why Seth and I aren't talking about it. Um, you can go listen to their show on it that aired, uh, I think, a week or in, week and a half or two weeks ago. Go listen to their episode about the top 25 that Breer published and hear their insights on it. But uh, this guy who pops up from time to time, an anonymous troll who is apparently, and I believe this, he is an NFL scout, but he publishes uh, his tweets anonymously in troll form as at not so angry scout clearly angry tweeted uh, a link to the video for the draft dudes episode uh, talking about the NFS top 25 attention Jeff Foster and NFS here's a link to a YouTube video talking about your ratings 
Hope you sue some folks and set a precedent. Media critique, media critique us, but yet steal our info and do this. Um, it was called to his attention by myself and by others that Albert Breer had actually published this. And that's how they <laughs> were able to talk about this on the Draft Dudes podcast. An angry scout, I'm sorry, not angry scout, said, yes, I know. And they would see it. Now, unlike Foster, I'm not mad that someone like Breer or even a media outlet has it. Makes me mad they flaunt it and that will put more pressure on scouts. If any colleague is caught giving it out, they get fired. Okay. Why why did he go after the Draft Dudes podcast? I, I mean, these guys are, they do great work. They're bigger than us. We admit that, right? But Albert Breer is bigger than them. Why did the, why did the not angry scout go after the little guys in this situation and not Albert Breer? Because it's the easier target, right? Like you, Albert Breer is not going to get in, in trouble for, for anything that he knowingly does with approval from the NFL. And this is something he's done pretty frequently, if I remember correctly, right? I mean, Breer used to work for the NFL Network. He no longer does. So whether he had, you know, the, the uh, permission or authority to publish this list, I'm not sure. As a reporter, if he gets his hands on this information, I don't see a problem with it. Um, what angry scout is, or, I'm sorry, what no, he's definitely not angry scout is saying is uh, he's okay with people having the information. They just can't t tell you that they have it. Well, as a reporter, if you come across information, don't you report it? Unless your source is someone you need to protect so that you get more information in the future. But if the source is okay with you reporting it, I mean, I'm not experienced with this. You're the, you're the journalist here running uh, Revenge of the Birds, right, Seth? I, like, that's a, that's my really experience. Really strong statement. <laughs> okay, so I've gotten some information in, in the past from sources. And I've been explicitly told not to report it. And I haven't because I'm not a reporter and I didn't want to burn the source, right? I wanted to keep getting the insider scoop and like knowing it until it came out, right? But um, in this case, it seems pretty clear to me that Breer was told he could report it. And I don't really see the harm in this. This guy got his pants in a bunch about well, I something. Think, I think the thing that bothers me more than anything is that these guys literally because and and like you said they're they're a bigger show than us we get along with joe and, and kyle the normal co-host um and so I, I don't mean this to be taken in any way negative when i say this but it's the freaking off season there's not a whole lot to talk about on a you know daily or weekly or semi-weekly podcast and so when you get nuggets of information to discuss, it's something that people want to hear your opinion on. There's literally and, and I think Draft Dudes is is basically a daily show, right? It's a half hour. They they're coming up with stuff daily. Um this is a it's probably one of the bigger uh draft year round draft podcasts that that goes on, right? 
it makes perfect sense that they would talk about this. And going back years, I mean, years back when we were, what, draft savages? We used to hear about the Blesto uh, scouting grades. And we would talk about it without even a thought to it. We never thought we were going to get sued. Maybe we just, I mean, back then, what, like 60 people listened to us maybe? But um, <laughs> still, we never gave it a thought. We were just like, oh, yeah, we got this juicy tidbit. Nobody told us not to say it. and. Like, even Joe and his co-host, and I apologize, I think the guy's name was Chris, but uh, Joe Marino and the co-host on on this episode of Draft Dudes, they said, hey, Albert Breer published this, so I guess we can talk about it. And this guy, what a hard-on to still go and be like, hey, Robert, hey, hey, Mr. Foster, come after these guys on YouTube. Like, dude, get a grip. Get a grip on your life. You're, you're, uh, you need to, you know, cut back on the caffeine. You need to say a prayer, read a book, get a couple hours extra of sleep and just chill. Sorry, Rob, <laughs> you're going to have to edit that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. So, I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> it's, it's crazy to go after a, a, a medium sized thing like this when Albert Breer one of the biggest names in NFL reporting is, is the one that put it out there. So, and they cited Albert Breer. I mean, come on, man. Like he, I don't know. He probably didn't listen the not angry scout. He probably didn't listen to the show, but it was a good show. I recommend, you know, I, I admit I don't listen to every episode of the draft dudes, but go listen to them that, you know, they were doing good work and, uh, they were just, talking about what was published on a major outlet anything else before we get out of here no i just want to apologize to my producer for making him have to edit uh, a swear word out of this week's episode thank you robert uh as always and thank you who listened to the show uh we appreciate all the downloads and all the listens all the, all the uh, subscriptions please subscribe give us a five-star review and please check out our Patreon. It's uh, it's really worth it. For two bucks a month, you can get an extra bonus episode every week. And like I said, I promise we're going to do one every week up until college football season and throughout the season. And on the generational tier, which is four bucks a month, you're going to get college football previews. Uh, it's going to be watch list form, but we're going to give you a lot of names, names that you're not going to hear us talk about on either show. but that you're going to want to watch out for when the season starts. So thank you all. And uh, we appreciate it. And we'll talk to you all next week. Yeah. We'll be back later this week for all your patrons with another episode. Have a good night, everybody. We need to do an outro at some point that just something kind of what I hear in other shows is where they're like, uh, you know, uh, subscribe and give us a five-star review. Sign up for our Patreon. It's $2 a month for our bonus episodes, $4 a month for all additional content. Something like that. Yeah, we should work on something like that. That Just could be it right a, there. A read, yeah. That's it. <laughs> so, exactly. <laughs>